Okay, we are in chapter two, and it's entitled, that's right, I don't know how to spell that, but that's a good one, a Bible interpretation. Now, how many guys would say that's probably maybe just a little bit of an important thing? How to interpret the Bible? Yes, that is uh, where the rubber meets the road. Now, I, I like this. How many guys like those uh, detective shows, like CSI this and CSI that? I don't know. How many are there? It's like they pick a city, they come up with a new one, change the characters. I don't know about you, but I think it's the same premise. They're not fooling me. But anyway, that's right. And, uh, but if you're into like, those detective things and mystery things and all that stuff, believe it or not, folks, I truly believe that, uh, boy, we would be better off as a church, uh, as Christians, as the American church, certainly, if we would apply the same mentality to the Bible. CSI Bible style needs to be what we do because that's what it is. You know, what, what do they do when those detective things? They just, oh, there's a crime scene. <laughs> Kick things over and whatever and yuck it up and do whatever. And they throw the evidence here and over there. And Well, I think that that's what that blood splatter means. No, my interpretation is this. Uh, no, it was a truck that came in. No, I think it's an airplane. Is that how you're supposed to approach that? Is that what they do? Are you kidding me, man? They with gloves on and this, and they're very meticulous, and they're doing this, and they're doing that, and cataloging this, and here and that, and then they're cross-referencing. If we would do that with the Bible, it would solve so many problems in the church. It would get rid of so many false teachings in the church. And dare I say, I think as we're going to see tonight, we wouldn't have 30,000 plus different denominations. Because you're going to see there is one truth. It's right here in the Bible. And the problem isn't with the Bible. It's how people approach the Word of God. They interpret it wrong. Okay, it's everything, how you approach this book. So let's get into that tonight. Bible interpretation, CSI, Bible style. Hey, what does it mean to you? Thank you, Ruth, for that uh, brilliant look there. Uh, that's not the question we need to be asking, but boy, isn't that what you hear when you go to Bible studies, unfortunately, sometimes? What does it mean to you? Hey, I really don't care and, uh, what it means to you, with all due respect. In fact, you really should say, Pastor Bill, I don't care what it means to you. I want to know what does God say? That's really the question. Uh, that we need to be asking ourselves. He's, he says this at the top. He says, have you ever heard this question in a Bible study in which you were a part? The teacher or leader shares a few thoughts on a passage of scripture. And then he asks for discussion and questions. Everyone shares their opinion on what they think the passage means or even worse, what it means to them. Now stop and think about that. Is that how we approach the Bible? Because we saw, if you were here a few weeks ago in the rise of wickedness, uh, studying the final countdown study, we dealt with a, a falsehood called rhymes with relativism. Relativism, you guys are on the ball, uh, is what we were talking about. And basically, relativism is the idea that's been uh, popular and popularized for the last 40, 50 years in our country, uh, where basically whatever you believe is true to you and whatever I believe is true to me, right? Now, then that's an oxymoron. What if I believed that it was okay for me to steal your wallet and just walk away? Because in my world, I think that's okay. Does that make it right? Hey, listen, who are you to judge me? In my world, I think that's okay. You see what I'm saying? It's like, no, there's absolute truths. There's absolute rights and wrongs, okay? Which is actually one of the existence for the proof of God. Where did this moral law come from that everybody knows it's wrong uh, to steal, right? Where did that come from? If evolution is true, right? Uh, well, well, because God, the moral lawgiver, put that in our hearts. We were created in his image uh, spiritually and morally, Okay, but, but that's it. There are rights and wrongs. And we talked before, the moment somebody says there are no absolutes, what do they just do? They made an absolute statement. You can't escape it. It's everywhere, okay? Personal opinion means uh, nothing, okay? What if it was your personal opinion? We've used this before, that two plus two equals five. Well, Ruth, that's very exciting, but uh, I know you and John have been going at it for about three weeks now because John believes that two plus two equals six. Yeah. 
And then I was there a couple weeks ago, and I saw Ron in the parking lot, and uh, you guys were, we almost had to lay hands on all three of you because he thought it was two. Two plus two equals two because it cancels it out because don't you know that's the correct math they came up with today? I say, I don't, that's whatever, I don't, so what? With all due respect, two plus two is always going to be what? Four. Okay, now for some goofball reason, when it, we know that mathematically, historically, scientifically, geographically, all that stuff, things are factual, okay? Uh, but for some reason, when we approach the Bible, it's like, well, I think it's two. Oh, really? Well, I think it's five. Okay, let's close in prayer. What? And everybody, what? What, is that how, is that, is, is the Bible really that confusing? Did God set it up in such a fashion that we could not understand? No, but that's how people approach it. And that's what he's saying. That's dangerous when you go to a Bible and say, what's it mean to you? I mean, I ask for input, even in this kind of study. And I'm not against asking for input, but if somebody comes in and says, well, I think Jesus, uh, uh, I mean, because after all, you guys have read the Da Vinci Code, and we all know he was married to Mary Magdalene and all that stuff. Okay, now, what do you say? Okay, well, thanks, uh, Brother Jones, for your input. Uh, what do you think it means, Ron? It's, whoa, as a teacher, you are probably going to say, no, I'm sorry, that's heresy. That's not what the Bible said. You need to correct the class. You don't just open it up and everybody gets to spout whatever. If somebody spouts something wrong as a teacher, you have to lead them back on track. But that's not what's being done today. It's all open fishing, if you will, when it comes to the Bible, okay? And that's not good interpretation. I love the analogy we're getting ready to get up to, and I think it'll all make sense. He says, the study concludes with no one really sure of the true meaning of the passage, okay? And it leads to this phrase. How many of you guys have heard this phrase, even in Bible studies or when you're trying to share the Bible with somebody else? Well, that's your interpretation, right? Now, have you ever thought about why people would say that? And where, what, on what basis? Why, how could you ever come back and say, that's your interpretation? That's a relativistic mindset. Did you realize that? Okay, by and large. Because as if it's like, and again, it's like, I don't care what your interpretation is or my interpretation. I want to know what is the correct interpretation. What is God trying to tell us? Okay, it's right here. Okay, but, but that becomes the scapegoat of, well, I know, okay, well, Ruth, I'm sorry. I believe it's six. Okay, yeah, 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 we don't need to fight about this. It's just, that's your interpretation. My interpretation is like, no, you're both wrong, right? But see, that's the mentality. What's your interpretation? It has basically become a scapegoat. Well, I get to, it's whatever I want it to be. That's very, very dangerous, okay? That's where you get a lot of false teaching, okay? Let's continue on. Unfortunately, this scenario is played out all too often today, even in our Sunday school classes. But the, is interpretation of the Bible up for grabs? No, let's try that word. No, okay, that's great. You even did a high-pitched one, thank you. Uh, can there really be several different interpretations of a Bible passage that are correct? Right? No, because then what would happen is you're basically saying that God speaks with the forked tongue. Well, one day he means this, the next day he means that. And he said, right? I don't think so. God means what he says, and that's the way it is. Hey, have, how many of you guys have learned so far as a Christian, God created the universe, he created the earth, he created us, he created everything we see in life. Um, he kind of makes up the rules. Anybody figure that one out yet? Okay, guess where he recorded those rules? Okay, so are you going to tell the creator of the universe, oh, I think it's six? No, you can think that all you want, but you are wrong. Okay, there's not many different, is the Bible a mystical book that has different hidden meaning for everyone who reads it? Okay, this is what bugs me about the, I don't know if you guys ever come across these things yet. It's called the Bible codes, the secret Bible codes. That's right. 
and they snooker so many christians in it just blows me away okay now first of all the bible codes if you're familiar with that uh heresy and i'll just say what it is i believe it's complete heresy sensationalism makes great uh, sells great books somebody's getting rich off of it okay but what they do is they snooker people into it and think well because now with the advent of the computers what we've done is we've uh, entered in the bible and uh we've typed in certain phrases and we found out that hitler uh deuteronomy chapter whatever blah 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 and first thing if you do it backwards and if you stand on your head and it's raining on a thursday and you're eating an orange it means that hitler won world war seven wow well i'm so excited now to read the bible thank you for the bible code it's what now, first of all, what's the premise of that? That the whole thing is like, oh, so, so you mean to tell me that we could not benefit and nor could we uh, uh, grow thereby, nor could we renew the mind as the whole purpose of the Bible uh, until computers came on the scene? What? That's crazy, number one. Number two, what they don't tell you is they, is they try to spiritualize. Well, what we're doing is we're entering into the original language, so how can you argue? We're just dealing with the tech. No, you're not. What they don't tell you is the Hebrew, supposedly, that they are entering is the modern Hebrew. Okay, If you want to really got to get, get technical, Hebrew, the original Hebrew, is all consonants. Okay, okay well, that sounds like we're perpetually, with all due respect, coughing or hacking. Okay, So later on, we added a vowels to it so that we can understand what's going on. Okay, That's not what they're using. So they're really not even using the, the, the original. So the whole thing's just a bunch of baloney. It's sensationalism. But again, it gives the premise that we could not understand the scriptures, we could not get into the Bible until the advent of some uh, a computer and some mathematician who cracked a code. It's crazy, okay? And I don't know if you learn, folks, but as you see, you don't even need a, so, so a computer to take something completely out of context and make it say whatever you want in the Bible. False teachers do that all the time, okay? I was with that. But anyway, that's, that's something that personally kind of bugs me. It's not a mystical book that has a hidden meaning uh, for everyone. To answer these questions, let's take a look at uh an example okay i love this example okay now let's say you live in texas right john's not here i was going to use him but we'll use him in proxy all right let's visualize john no it's not okay john's uh he you guys live in texas right is he in texas right now maybe oh that would have worked great right okay cool oh so it's uh, texas all right now listen listen let's let's make this personal with somebody we know let's say that john lives in texas right and john decided to write a letter to his friend in washington Okay, now in route, the letter is kicked out of the letter sorting machine in the central post office and lands in a crack between the filing cabinet and the wall. Shortly afterward, there's an earthquake and the post office is destroyed. Okay, John's okay, people. This is just an analogy. Don't, it's okay. We can pray later. No, okay. And maybe in that letter, John was uh, writing about his, because everything's bigger in Texas, you know, big, big trucks and big guy stuff and big things and big guns and big, if you've ever been in Texas, right? Big, 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 right? So in that letter, he's telling his friend about his new big man truck from Texas, right? Okay, whatever. I'm just going to give you one. Just, I mean, the letter was much longer than that, believe you me. Okay, okay. And, uh, but he was, main thing was this big truck. Now, let's continue on. So it got destroyed, right? All right, never got delivered. Got now, 2,000 years later, an archaeological team is digging the site and is excited about finding a letter that is incredibly well-preserved, John's letter, that the team dates to the late 20th century. Can you believe that? John's letter survived all that time. The letter is given to three eminent scholars who, listen, interpret the letter three different ways. Wait a second. Obviously, John did not mean to communicate three different messages to his friend 2,000 years before, right? Now listen, when John was telling him about his big man truck, okay, 
guess what John was talking about when he wrote that letter? He was talking about his big man truck. That's it. Okay? But really, see, God's given me special insight. John's man truck, it was a man truck because the truck represented humanity is what the truck represented. And there was no camper shell on it, which means that it was half-formed. And what that represented was a slow decline in the economy. But yet the truck moved. So John was trying to tell, and from Washington, because that's where, you know, political stuff goes on. And John was trying to say to his friend that humanity, even though we're in a lower economy, if we keep uh, moving forward, then we're going to come out of this. And that's what it means. Now, as crazy as that sounds, now the whole time, John, when he talked about a man truck, what did he mean? Man truck. That's all he meant, right? People do this all the time with the Bible. I've used this example before, but it's, I, I hear all kinds of stuff. Okay, if you remember the account in the scriptures, uh, when it, in the gospels, when it talks about the disciples, okay, and uh, they're out there fishing, right? Post-resurrection, I believe, and Jesus shows, hey, give it up for man truck, John, he's back from Texas. Woo, perfect time. You'll have to get the video. But anyway, that's right. <laughs> I love it. Anyway, so the disciples, <laughs> they're out there, right? And they're fishing, right? And uh, so they're out there fishing. I forget the number. I didn't look up the text, but it's something like some big number, 153 fish. Remember that passage there? It just happens to mention they're out there in the boat, pulled in the nets. There were so many fish, uh, it almost broke the nets, and there's like 153, right? I kid you not, people do the same thing. Now, again, for the sake of the context, before I get into that, when John was writing about his man truck, what was John talking about? His man truck. And that's all it was, right? Nothing else, nothing more. When the disciples, people sit there and go, well, wait a second. The disciples were in that boat. And I, I'm not making this up. This is what people do with the scripture, okay? And the boat represents humanity, right? And if anybody you guys know about numerology, okay, you got a one and a five and a three. Now, if you add one and five, that gives you six. Okay, but six plus three equals nine. But if you take nine and you flip it upside down, that's a six, but it ends with a three, so that means you're dealing with six, six, six. So really what the scriptures, the secret meaning is, John, the hidden meaning is that humanity, if they fish, it's the mark of the beast. <laughs> you think I'm kidding? Folks, that's what people do when it comes to the Bible. They like, it's called spiritualizing the text. Okay, it's like... Uh, no, you know what I think it means? They were in a boat, and they got a whole bunch of fish, and it was so many, they were saying, wow, I'm going, here's exactly how many there were, 153. That's it, right? And that's a guy thing, isn't it? Hey, tomorrow night, bring it on. We're starting a bowling league, right? You guys just see how many gutter balls I get. You're going to be amazed, right? <laughs> but as guys, when we do stuff like that, we're into sporting stuff like that, and if we do something really cool, don't you think we know the exact score we got or the number, whatever, right? And so you got the disciples like, whoa, dude, man, we had 153 fish, right? It was a hundred, whoa, broke, broke the net. That's a, right? it's a guy thing. We do the same thing. But that's all it's meaning. They, it was just amazing. It's just, they, they caught a bunch of fish, right? And Jesus told them where to throw. You know, there was, he was trying to get their attention. It's me, right? That's all it is. 
It's not something, but that's what people do when it comes to approaching the Bible. And they'll do it to another passage, and they'll do it to another passage. And then they get that one squinty eye, like they're the real spiritual one, right? And then as we saw before, they'll, they'll pray like this, like they're, ooh, they're so super spiritual. And then it's like, well, I'll never understand the Bible. I gotta listen to brother squinty eye guy who comes up with all these secret messages about how the mark of the beast is fishing, and wow, that's amazing. And people get led astray and led astray and led astray. And, and then, again, the whole premise, I can't belabor this enough. Is it really that hard? Did God set us up for a pain in the neck to like, <laughs> I hope they can figure out what I'm trying to tell them. <laughs> oh, wow. They better hurry up before the computers get on the scene. That might help them a little bit. But they got to get that squinty eye guy, you know, going real quick before they can figure out what's going on. No, he wants every single one. It's, it's right here. Okay, now let me give an example because we do this all the time, i.e., we switch gears with interpretation, okay? Let me give you an example. A classic one is with a newspaper, okay? Believe it or not, we interpret as we, common sense interpretation as we go through a newspaper, right? So you read the headlines and it'll say, economy is in the tubes, right? Now we know that's just a summation, right? We know that if you continue to read the article, you're going to get the rest of what's going on there, right? We don't even sneeze at that. Then you go in the new detail. Then we'll flip over to the comic section. Okay, now the first part we take more literally. Well, and you've got to play with me as if the news is always true, but whatever, go with the analogy. Then we go over to the comic book section, right? And do we take that literally? Did we have to have a class on proper newspaper interpretation? It, no, it's just common sense, right? You know, okay, this is, the context is, you know, is comic books. You know, when this is handicap, uh, did whatever, I'm like, oh, I better do it too. No, it's a, it's a comic book thing, right? And then you go flip over and you go, well, let's see what's happening with uh, uh, you know, the, the want ads and uh, the, what people are selling. And then, then what they do is they'll even abbreviate stuff like, yeah, I'm selling a 1956 Chevy and, it, and it's uh, got an aftermarket AC and it's got a, a PW on it, what's power windows, you know, stuff like that. And we, we're, and we know exactly what he's talking about, right? And we're switching through, flipping through. We didn't have to have a class, right? It's the same thing when you approach the Bible. It's really not that hard. It's just common sense. We do it all the time anyway. But I'm telling you, for some reason, there's this trend in the church that it's hard to understand. I need somebody else to tell me all the time what it is verbatim, okay? And not against teaching. Obviously, I'm teaching tonight. But, uh, but as if we can't get in there ourselves. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Because you know somebody who doesn't want you in there? You know what his name rhymes with? Satan, the devil. That's right, the deceiver, Lucifer. That, all those exciting names. Yeah, he doesn't want you in there. Because this is the only book on the planet, guys, that can unbrainwash us from the brainwashing we receive from this world. This is a book of freedom. The more you get acquainted with the truth, the truth sets you free. Not only, I would say, dare in salvation, but in victory in that Christ is one for us. He doesn't want you to figure that out. Okay, but let's continue on. So obviously, John did not mean to communicate three different messages to his friend 2,000 years earlier about his man truck. I had to say it one more time. Okay, and uh, in the same way, when God inspired men to write down his word, he did not have in mind communicate many hidden meanings to what he wrote, okay? And again, this is why I, I have a problem with somebody saying that uh, you gotta be a super saint. No, God wanted us to read his word, okay? And if you know anything about the Reformation, okay, uh, this is exactly what many faithful men uh, did and died for was so that you and I could have a copy of the Bible in our own common language to read. They died for it. They were murdered for it. Okay? Why? Because what happened was, if you ever wondered this, in the New Testament, it was written in what's called Koine Greek. Okay? Koine meaning common, but it was common language of the day. Okay? That used to be the common language of the day. 
But what happened was the language in, in the West switched to Latin. Latin was a military language by and large, but that became the language of the day. Okay, so that's where you have this guy, if you ever heard of him, church father named Jerome. Okay, and he, he wrote what was called the Latin Vulgate. Okay, why Vulgate? Well, because back then that was where we get the word vulgar, which means common. So he's translating from the Koine Greek that used to be the common language, what the original New Testament was written in, but people don't speak Koine Greek anymore. Now, why would he want to do that? Well, why would you want to keep the Bible in an archaic language that nobody speaks? The whole point is to read it so you can understand it and be blessed by it, right? And learn about God and Jesus and salvation, okay? So that's what he did. He translated into the Latin Vulgate. Now, it stayed that way for a while. But what happened is over the years, throughout the Dark Ages, the uh, language began to switch to English, okay? Now, here's a little nifty trick. The, the uh, Roman Catholic Church in 1229 A.D., okay, deliberately, even though the, the language was switching to English, you know what they did? Okay, this is pre-Gutenberg Press, so it was very hard to even find scriptures, period. But they deliberately <clears throat> kept the scriptures and said the scriptures has to stay in Latin. So that even if you could find a copy of the scripture, okay, or get your hands on one, or if somebody could even read it to you, they would be reading it into a language that you didn't understand. Can you imagine every single Sunday I got up here and I am speaking uh, the, the word of God. I got the copy. You don't. <laughs> right? And I get up here, and we're all here, yeah, we're coming here to the Bible. And I get up there, hung, dong, 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 dong. And I'm not being disrespectful. I'm just an analogy. Hung, dong, hum. Right? Now, imagine that's the way we ran every Bible study, everything, whatever, and you're out there going, hmm? Right? Now, how many guys would start bringing in your cell phones, you bring in pad, doodle pads, because I might as well just tune this guy up, because every time he gets up there, hung, dong, 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 yeah, okay, it's the Bible, yeah, whatever, I have no clue what he's talking about. The Catholic Church did that on purpose, right? And it kept people in bondage, okay? And it kept them in bondage to the Catholic Church, okay? You had to go to them for salvation, uh, so to speak, which is not the gospel, okay? Now, what you need to understand, that's why we had what was called the Reformation, because many men rose up, and I'm going to give you just two examples tonight, Okay, two examples of men who literally their lives were on the line uh, for that. And listen, just so they, what they did was they were, uh, got a copy of the, the scriptures in Latin and they had the audacity to translate them in English for the common person to read. Can you believe that? Let me give you an example. The first one was John Wycliffe. Now remember, 1229 is when they deliberately made sure that if there, anybody could find a copy, it's in the archaic Latin language, okay? And then when you go to Mass and whatever, uh, which I'm not condoning whatever, but when that's all that there was at that time, then it would be all in Latin, and it's just like you're going through the motion, stand up, sit down, whatever, I have no clue what they're saying, but whatever, can we hurry up, what's for lunch? You see your thing, right? Nobody's learning nothing, right? Complete ignorance of what's going on with the Scripture. Now, John Wycliffe comes on the scene. He was born in 1330, okay, so about 100 years later, God raises up this first man. Now listen to this. He was known in the church history as the morning star of the Reformation. Now why is it called the Reformation? Reform. What were they reforming from? Getting away from the Roman Catholic Church where you had to go through the uh, work salvation. Basically, you're not even going to get there anyway. You're going to end up purgatory to purge your own sins, which is not the gospel. That's a heresy. Okay, it's nowhere in the scripture, obviously. <clears throat> and uh, that you had to go through the Pope and all that stuff and this and whatever. And then they, they did these things called indulgences where you could go to the, if you give them a certain amount of money, it will absolve you of your sins. Like if you slept with a, a prostitute, give them 225 and they'll write that one off for you with a blessing. If you stole something, give it only a buck 75, that's a little bit less. And they had all these categorized, and that's what they do to get the people. They would literally go into the communities, 
okay, with these people because they're desperately wanting their sins to be forgiven, okay, and they'd rip them off of their cash. And what they do is they would take these relics. They would go in with uh, supposedly a vial of Mary's, with all due respect, breast milk. They would go in with supposedly a sliver from the cross. And they would go in basically like a little, little parade. Hey, they're coming in with these classic relics, right? And they drum the people up, and then they'd come in, and you would, you would basically, okay, and uh, 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 they would, you'd put your coins in, whatever, to have, okay, I, 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 I did this sin. Well, I'll pay this X amount. They would drum up that cash, and that's what they used to build the cathedrals, okay? There's lots going on. No wonder they call it the Dark Ages, okay? Go figure. Okay, but anyway, so he comes up, and he starts to translate. He's called the, and it's called reform because they're reforming out of that. They're trying to get out of that, trying to get back to basic Christianity that had been a blanketed uh, for a long time, the Dark Ages. Anyway, so he was born in England. He, uh, the writer of the very first entire Bible translation into the English language, he died preaching at his church in England in 1384. His actions, listen, <clears throat> enraged the Roman Catholic Church so much, listen, that they dug up his bones 44 years later, burned his bones, and then threw them into a river. They were so mad at what he did in getting the Bible into a language that we can understand. He studied uh, and eventually began to teach at Oxford. He saw problems in the Roman Catholic Church, such as immoral clergy, excessive church wealth. He opposed the doctrine of transubstantiation, uh, that somehow the bread and the wine actually become the actual body and blood of Jesus Christ. That's what that means. No, that's not what's, what's going on there. Uh, Jesus said that he is the door uh, when we get to heaven, and he, if he raises his arms, are we going to see uh, hinges? With all due respect, on his armpits, no, his symbolic language is going on there. Common sense interpretation, but they say, "Oh no, it's really his body." It's really okay, and and that's what it, the priest uh, said. They can hold. This is what he opposed: that the priest can hold salvation away from anyone, and therefore he wanted to reform that. Okay. Uh, later, he would even attack the authority of the Pope, insisting that Christ was the head of the church, not the Pope. Uh, he stated that the Bible was the sole authority for the believer and that the church should model itself after the pattern of the New Testament. Uh, his views were condemned. Now listen to what I just stated, stated there. That's basic Bible evangelical Christianity. And he was condemned. Can I tell you something, guys? Can I make a little prediction? I'm not a prophet nor the son thereof. We're heading back to that. We're heading back to that where evangelical Christianity is going to be condemned. Right? Because who gives a rip about the Bible? And even if you do have a copy of the Bible, nobody even reads it. So you might as well just be back in the dark ages, okay? And then if you do have a copy of the Bible, how do people approach it? Well, that's your interpretation. That's what you think. And it's getting lost in the mutter. And then these people rise up to the top, and they're going to grab control. Okay, the Bible says it's going to be a one-world religion, and we're headed for that. And it's going to be a heap of trouble, okay? And uh, anyway, so it's to support his views, Wycliffe made the Bible available to the people in their own language, that of uh, English, okay? And uh, that's the work that he did. Another guy is William Tyndale, okay? who followed him about another 100 years later. And he translated the Greek uh, New Testament into English to combat the heresies of the Church of England. And uh, in, in, he had in the whole impetus, listen, uh, he had a, con a confrontation with some fellow clergy, and he was shocked at their ignorance of the Bible. These were the priests. These were the high hierarchy. These were the big guys, the big guns, right? And he was utterly shocked at their complete ignorance of the Scripture. Now listen to that. Okay, and because of that encounter, he was so incensed at it, because he actually studied the Bible. He's like, and you guys are the elite, what? Okay, and he said his infamous uh, phrase, he said that if God would give him time, he would cause a boy who drove the plow to know more about the scriptures than they did. Okay, and that's what he set about doing. Okay, he, uh, uh, he soon decided to translate the Bible into English, straight from the Greek for the common people. He found no support from it, obviously, from the bishop. 
he acquired some support from merchants in London, but he had to leave the country out to Germany. Uh, and that's where he met Martin Luther, and that began to spread through there. Uh, and uh, as was the case, the church authorities did not like this, so they captured him uh, to destroy his work. Uh, but he continued with his translation efforts. He managed to complete some of the Old Testament, write some books and some tracts. Nonetheless, he was betrayed by another guy. He spent 16 months in prison uh, and then awaited his trial. He was, listen, because he translated the Bible into a language that a common person can understand, you know, this thing that we don't have time to read or this thing that even we, have, we say, oh, I can't understand or whatever, let's go do something else. Listen to what they did to him. He was betrayed and, uh, listen, he was strangled to death, but that wasn't good enough. Then they slapped him up onto a stake and burned him. What did he do? He robbed a bank, I'll tell you. He ran over 400 people in this, just... He was a mass murderer. He was an evil... What did he do? He had the audacity to translate the Bible in a language that the common Joe, a plowboy, could read and understand and be blessed by. Right? And his dying words were, Lord, open the king of England's eyes. And a few years later, that's exactly what happened. And then they began to go the Protestant route. And out of that became the Puritans, the pilgrims over here to America. Hey, and here we are today. Okay, that's just a little of just a few of the highlights of the men that sacrificed their lives. And I wanted to share that because, guys, the whole premise is this. These guys died for this, okay? Now, the whole point, why did they die for it? So that the common Joe, you and I, anybody on the planet could read the Bible, okay? Why do I say that? Because we approach this book like it's, I just, I just can't, I'm, they died so that we could read this. The got to get it out of your head. I just, I'll never understand. No, we, yes, there's some things you need to switch in your gear. Okay, that's historical, or that's obviously symbolic when Jesus said he's the door. But we do that common sense with the newspaper. We, we get this mentality. I'll guarantee you it's a, it's a stumbling block that the enemy puts before us so we won't get in here. So it's, I, just, I just can't. And so we won't, and we don't. Or we rely on some super guy to tell us what to do instead of cracking it open yourself, Okay. Okay, so anyway, so let's continue on. So I said all that to get there. And so that's what, so John, he did not have three meanings. He meant one thing. He meant his man truck. I got it in one more time. So uh, how would people of the year 4096 correctly interpret John's letter so they might understand the meaning that he wanted to communicate to his friend? Well, God communicated to his people through the prophets and apostles in normal human language within their cultural context with the desire to communicate with them in a way they could clearly understand. You get it? Okay, right? Now, the reason why we'll have some challenges is because we're not of the Eastern mindset, okay? When the Bible talks about ladies and they had their hair up in the bun, that doesn't mean that we always have to have our hair up in the bun or we're sinning against God, all right? There were some cultural things that were going on there. Back in the day, if a lady let her hair down in that culture, it was basically, I'll give you two analogies so that you'll understand, in that, to us, it does, it, we're not in that culture. It doesn't make sense to us. Okay, but if a lady went in and showed up in a worship service, if you will, in a synagogue, and her hair was down, she was basically saying she was available. Okay, if she didn't have a head covering on or whatever, stuff like that, she was saying, I'm available, I'm a single woman. It's like, whatever. Okay, number two, but it was much more than that. It would basically, how well would we do, with all due respect, we're all up here, we're trying to preach the word of God, and uh, uh, a lady walked into uh, sunrise and came all the way down the front, made a big show of it, and uh, all she had on was a bikini. Right? In the culture, it sounds goofy to us, but in the culture today, if a lady did that, okay, that's what she was doing. Right? 
Now, see, that, that made that passage come alive. See, if you don't understand, you've got to do some homework, yes, but it's just common sense, right? You know, well, the bun represents that humanity needs. No, you just got to do a little bit of homework. It's a cultural thing. We don't live in the Eastern mindset, and the Bible's got that. So, so yes, you've got to do some homework, but it is not something that you cannot ever get to grasp, okay? Let's continue on uh, as he talks about it. Normal language, okay? Uh, and so the only way that this could be certain, if the language of the letter held to its normal meaning in a con, uh, human communication, thus no secret or hidden meanings, okay? Because we all know that when the Bible talks about in Revelation chapter 9, it talks about uh, the sound of wings and the, the thunder and all that stuff. What they were really talking about there was Apache helicopters. No, that's the other end of the extreme. Uh, the context is they're demons, you don't have, anyway, so anyway, we, we can just go on and on with that. Okay, there's no hidden meaning is what he's talking about there. Uh, so this is the challenge of Bible interpretation. How do we come to the one correct interpretation of the Bible text, in some cases written 3,400 years ago today? Well, obviously there's only one correct meaning to each passage, but how do we determine it? Well, amazingly enough, there are clear-cut ways uh, to do this. Now, dare I say, this is why we have so many different denominations, right? Well, I believe that we need to wear robes in the church because the bible says it talks about robes and the priests in the old testament wear robes and so we have now do i have a problem with robes no but people will take something completely out of context they'll take a secondary issue they'll cram it cram it cram it cram it and if you cram it so long guess what happens to a church <laughs> and then you know what you have now well this block over here on east street you got the church of the robes and over here on this street you got the church of the no robes all right, now guess what? Go long enough, people play fast and loose with the scripture. The church of the no robes uh, goes to this. They don't have robes on, but they believe that you need to have that head covering. So ladies, you have to wear that. And you can't wear makeup. And so that church split off into this. And whatever, it's taken out of the context. Well, this one, they're still staying in the robes. But now they also believe that there was some sort of headgear, so now you have to wear a hat. Well, that caused a rebellion in the church. And so now you got the church of the robes and hats, and then you, the other ones who are the staunch uh, 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 traditionalists, they remained with just the robes. And I'm, of course, being facetious for a point. But folks, how do you think we got so many different denominations? A mark of maturity in the church is to agreeably disagree on secondary issues and yet not divide, right? Did we really have to split the church over robes or no robes? And if you think I'm kidding, I can tell you stories. I'll just tell you one of an actual church. I'm not making it. They were in high gear. Okay, this, I believe, was in Northern California. And church was growing like gangbusters. And so much so that they even outgrew their sanctuary. And so much so that they've been working on a building campaign. So much so they were getting ready to, they built the building for the ex bigger uh, sanctuary. And it came down to choosing the color of the carpet. It was blue. It was red. And every, both sides came out with the scripture. Well, the Bible says that red is the blood of Jesus. And I'm not being denigrating that, obviously not. And it's Jesus. And they had all their verses out here. And these are Christians. And then the Bible says uh, blue, and it represents royalty and all this stuff, whatever. And the church split. Right at the, over, over carpet? Well, now you got the church of the red carpet and the church of the blue carpet. And what did you accomplish? Okay, that's why we got so many people today. Because people mess with the scripture that way. It's like, are you, are you kidding me? Okay, don't do that. It's crazy, okay? Why is proper interpretation important? Well, because of that. People ask all the time, you ever been asked that question? Why do you got so many different denominations? Right? How come you got so many different Bibles? Which one is what, right? Those are logical questions. 
Okay? The problem is not with the Bible, it's how people approach it, and that's what we're talking about. At first, proper Bible interpretation may seem like a very difficult task, although it is not easy at the top of page 26, and does, does take some study and practice. Being accomplished in Bible interpretation is very rewarding spiritually and very important for our spiritual growth. Uh, Dr. Roy Zuck, in his book, Bible, uh, Basic and Bible Interpretation, says the following about interpreting the Bible correctly. Okay? We are responsible then to seek to know the truth as presented in God's word. This is essential for our own spiritual lives and for effectiveness in ministering to others. In sharing the word of God, whether in personal counseling, teaching a Sunday school class or Bible study group or preaching, the knowledge we impart based on our understanding of the scriptures will definitely affect others. Now, here's the other thing. It will affect other people. I say, well, I'm not a preacher. Well, you're a Christian, don't you? How many guys since you've been saved, you actually opened your mouth ever once? Right now, in the times that you actually open your mouth, take a breath. <gasps> it's been 19 years. That was delicious. No, we open your mouth and you actually said something ever once, ever once about the Bible. Did you know what you just said affects people? Aren't you hoping you said it correctly? This is why the scripture says that teachers, those who do teach in the church, are under a double judgment. You better be right, right? I would never have the audacity to say that I am 100% correct and I will always be 100% correct, okay? As weird as that might sound, because to me, that's the height of pride, okay? But number two, can I tell you something? I take it extremely serious, and I am prayerfully trusting that God is leading me into that which is correct because I'm under a double judgment. This is deadly serious stuff, okay? This is CSI Bible style, okay? It says their lives are in our hands, Without proper biblical interpretation, the theology of an individual or an entire church may be misdirected or superficial and its ministry unbalanced, okay? And dare I say, this is what gives birth to all kinds of, not just denominations, this is what gives birth to so much false teaching. How could you have false teaching, right? Well, does God, he's not speaking with forked tongue, he has one meaning. Well, Brother Bob says it means this, that it means that the resurrection of Jesus never happened. Sorry, that's a false teaching. We, yep, then there goes that, that group of Christians following him. Right? How you pray? Uh, nothing, dare I say, this is why there's so much sin in the church today. Right? Bible's clear about sin. Okay? But how many times have you ever confronted somebody on their sin? Okay? In love, as the scripture says we need to do? And they'll come back and they'll say, Yeah, but that's, that's your interpretation. What? It says it, it, says it right. Oh, you, you read it to me. Yeah, but see, but God knows my heart. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> it's, it's right there. God's not, what are, you, what are you talking about? Yeah, but see, um, it just, it just, it feels right. And God's a God of love. and <laughs> Right? That's what people do. Why is sin so, so rampant? Either people aren't teaching from, on it, on the pulpit, dare I say, which is a crime. Okay, you're supposed to preach the whole counsel of God, not just the fluffy stuff, okay? Uh, and number two, uh, people, even when you confront them, they, they back it off. They lie. They make up excuses. Well, that's, you know, and they sound, they spirit, what? Because of how people approach uh, the Bible, okay? Because the principles gleaned through a shabby Bible interpretation will affect the way we view God and the way we live our lives, it is imperative that we get at least a foundational grasp of the process one must go through to properly interpret the Bible. As in any endeavor, it is impossible 
for us to reach our goal if we are unclear as to the goal. Thus, let us state very clearly that the goal of Bible interpretation is to win that column on Jeopardy. Especially the daily double. Or they might pop up, get your own man truck, and we could win it. We'll race John around Vegas. Yeah, whatever. John, you've got to get the video now. Okay. Uh, no, what is it? It's to determine the original, your first blank. We actually made it to a blank, praise God. The original meaning of the text. Now, that sounds cool. That sounds, yeah. Yeah, that sounds like something we should do. Why? Well, let's go back to the analogy with John's man truck. It's common sense. When I'm reading John's letter, I want to know what John said. I don't know what he said. I want to know what he meant, right? And when he's talking, you know, right? And so when we read the scripture, I want to know what he meant. I don't want some make-believe baloney. I don't want what you feel. I don't want your interpretation. What did God say? What was he saying? That's what I want, right? Do you want to know accurately? Listen, this is God. This is the creator of the universe. And he's speaking to us. Isn't this awesome? This isn't the president of the United States. This isn't some embassy. This isn't the guy in Coffee Moon or whatever his guy's name is at the UN. <laughs> this is God. Don't you want to know exactly what he is saying to us? Then you better get to the original meaning of the text, right? No games, no fluffs, CSI, Bible style. What is God saying? I want to know what he's saying. Okay, this is called exegesis, okay? Exegesis is your big word for today. Ex meaning uh, ex or exit, as in out, okay, is what that means. Reading the meaning out of the text and is opposite the way you don't want to approach the Bible, and that is called eisegesis. Why is it called that? Because it's really cold. No, close, uh, Ruth. Uh, ice means in or into, okay? And uh, eisegesis, reading uh, the meaning into the text. Exegesis is allowing the Bible to speak for itself, whether you like it, lump it, leave it or not. Let it speak out to you. This is what the creator of the universe is saying. He makes up the rules. No matter what your culture is saying, no matter what your feelings say, this is what God says. Let it speak out to you. Yes. No, it's just a different form of studying the scripture. You're studying a topic in the scripture, but when you study the topic in the scripture, it's the same thing. Let that topic, as God defines it, speak out to you. Don't read into it, whether it's a topical study, whether it's a, a book study, whether it's a character study. Don't read into it what you want to do. If you let it come out to you, the moment you read into a text, whether it's a topical study, whatever, however you approach it, whether it's a character study, whether it's a chapter study, whether it's a book study, the moment you start reading into there what you want it to say, what you, of your own opinion, outside the context, thinks it to say, that's wrong. Okay, and that's what he said. You need to let the Bible speak out to you. What God says, that's the way it is. Okay, now, why would somebody ever dare read into the scripture that which is not there? I said, Jesus, why would they do that? Want it, and that's, you see, that's it. So, so in essence, what did you put first? My feelings, right? But I'm telling you, I know common sense tells me that that was John's man truck. But my feelings tell me, because I'm really jealous that John has a man truck and I got a wiener dog truck, all right? <laughs> but I don't want to tell you that. So I'm going to change the meaning of John's. I'm going to denigrate John's man truck, and he's got a weenie dog truck too. See, that's what we do. And of course, I'm being uh, facetious again to make a point. When sin is brought before our eyes and we're convicted, we try to make it up. We try to explain it away. Well, well that's your interpretation. No, that's not what God says. You know, let it speak out to you. 
Now, again, I've said this before. God's being a big old meanie because, man, I was, I was wanting to read nothing but happy verses today. <laughs> and they're making me happy. When God convicts us of sin, is that for our good or for bad? Name one commandment in here that's bad for us. Every, see what the enemy does? Even when we're convicted with sin, instead of going, thank you, God. Thank you for clearing out that cobweb. Thank you for getting rid of that yuck. Thank you for getting, thank you for loving me enough to tell me the truth of that thing that's harming me, maybe harming my family, maybe harming my church, maybe harming whatever, maybe harming my witness. Thank you, God, for exposing that. Thank you for reading that out to me. I accept that, God, please forgive me, and you move on. Praise God. But that's not what we do, do we? We'll read into it. Oh, no, no. That's not what I mean. That's your interpretation. What I feel it means is, do you see the game that we play? Okay, and, uh, and let's continue on. So that's why it says eisegesis, exegesis. John Calvin stated, it is the first business of an interpreter to let his author say what he does instead of attributing to him what we think he ought to say. Okay, we must approach the Bible like a crime scene investigator looking for clues. Going in with preconceived ideas about what we will find will tend to cloud the evidence or even worse, it could possibly allow us to totally miss some evidence altogether. As you approach a text, take a reality check and ask yourselves, these questions which we will get to next time let's close in prayer well hi this is billy crone of get life ministries and i hope you were blessed with this study but in closing let me ask you one final question if you were to die today are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell before you answer that let me share a couple things that the bible says did you know that the bible says that god is holy and that we are not and the wages of our sin or unholiness is death In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, The the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying, okay? How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand, okay? Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even His name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's His standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that's the same thing. Uh, It's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. 
Hey folks, that's just five out of 10. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I, I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step. To admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven. I need a Savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against Him and disqualified us, that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed, the judge has said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty, uh, you even admit you're guilty, and uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row? It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because of they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon, and they can go free. And did you know it's actually on historical record that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty, and they've refused to take it. And so even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what He was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you can be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave and the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Gill Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.